I was out one morning taking a walk, playing Angry Birds on my iPhone. I suddenly heard an airplane pass over my head. This caused me to look up. I then saw something that was a part of the sky, but then quickly as it arrived, it disappeared. I then began to freak out and ask my neighbors if they knew anything about this. But they dismissed me as a tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theorist who believed 9-11 was an inside job. Do you understand what's happening here? Let's get all these chemtrails. The fine people at RazRadioLive.com encourage you to go to TeeSpring.com forward slash Raz hyphen what's hyphen with hyphen all hyphen these hyphen C-H-E-M. Pick a fucking name, would you please? This t-shirt is only available for $20 and is only available until May 10th. So take advantage of this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity now. Now. Let's get all these chemtrails. RazRadioLive.com. The simple power of truth. We are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of election, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night and bombs by day.
shit no psycho. If tears could come out of my eyes, I would have been crying. They must be going backwards and drowning me from the inside. Depression is testing me, a real problem I might have. Stress is the ocean and I'm floating on a life raft. Prayers in my head, but I'm too shook to die one. Everybody claim they got faith until the trial comes. Long as you live, you gon' have to face a lot of tests. You can take God all day with no side effects. Trying to find my way through all this darkness in my life. In the meantime, until that day, I keep running towards that light. And even if I don't succeed, at least I know I did my best. All day long, I keep on running till I reach that happiness. happiness. Honey, look at those beautiful clouds. Chemtrails? What are chemtrails? Chemical trails, Daddy, and they're very bad.
Hey, this is Jack Blood, your radio gun from DeadlineLive.info and the Jack Blood Show. You're listening to the first 52 with Sean Raz Radio Live. Stay bold. Ha, 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 here we are. It is Tuesday, Cinco de Mayo, May 5th. You're listening to the first 52 on RazRadioLive.com and RadioFreeBlood.com. Jack put on an awesome show today, as he always does. I appreciate uh, him having me on his station, as I always say. Uh, you know, we got to work together. we got to help each other. And that's what we try to do here. We try to help each other. You know, today is a, a special day for me. I picked Cinco de Mayo for a specific reason. Today is my anniversary with my lovely wife, Lexi. You know, you don't realize how important a woman can be in your life. You don't know, you don't realize how much they can make you think, how much they they can make you make the right choices, make the right decisions, get your life in order. So today, on this great day, Cinco de Mayo 2015, I want to tell my wife, Alexia, I love you very much, honey, and I appreciate everything you've done for me. I appreciate you standing by my side through my craziness, through my bad decisions, through all the things I do. You're a great woman, and I couldn't find anybody ever that would do a better job than you have for me. Love you, baby. So, now we can get into the show. Now we can actually talk some stuff, right? We got the the pleasantries out of the way. It's amazing. I never thought I'd be married for three years. I never thought I'd be with a woman for eight, nine years. I, I just never thought me being that person. And she has changed me a lot in the positive way. And that that's what we need. And that's what you should expect of a good woman. As I sit and watch everything going on, what's going on in the world around us, it, it just, it really bothers me sometimes. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about the uh, Texas shooting with Scott tonight, a bunch and a bunch of other stuff, but uh, I, I want to talk about that with him. And I have my own opinion on this whole situation. Uh, are we antagonizing the extreme Muslims to attack us by being dicks? I mean, that's really what, what people are being is dicks. They're asking for problems. You know, we have this thing in this country called free speech. It's a wonderful thing we have. But everybody must realize that free speech may lead to consequences. You may anger a group of people. That That's going to happen. Now, is their retaliation to their anger acceptable? Of course not. Of course not. But why would we poke at somebody? You know, as I watch everybody making their comments on uh, how evil these Muslims are for killing people because they're retaliating against something that upset them. How stupid is that? And then I scan through Facebook and I watch what people say about things. And and something going on right now is this this flag stomping. It's a it's a it's a, a, a an act protected by your First Amendment. Your freedom of speech, your freedom of expression. And I watch people making comments, Americans making comments about how they're going to kick that person's ass or how they'd like to kill that person. Guess what? 
You're putting yourself in the same box as the Muslim extremists that are shooting and killing people. Yeah, you might not want to go shoot somebody, but you want to go beat somebody's ass because they offended you. Now think about that. And it angers me when I see that from people I love and respect. Guess what? I serve the military too. I served that flag at one point in time. It's a piece of cloth. Yes, it represents what our country actually should be. But that's not what our country is anymore. That's not what, that, 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 that's not, anything that flag resembles is gone at this point in time. So yes, it bothers me to see that. I might not appreciate somebody doing that, but I would never assault them or threaten them for doing it. That's their freedom. So if you're going to comment and talk about how evil these, these Muslims are that, that did the, uh, the, uh, Charlie Hebdo shooting in, in, uh, England, that did the shooting in Texas, that do all these different things. You're going to talk about how evil they are because they're retaliating because their feelings have been hurt. But yet you're going to sit and make comments and posts about how you're going to go beat somebody's ass or how you would, you know, make sure you took care of that person that was doing that thing. That's not acceptable. How are you going to talk bad about Muslims doing it and then make the same comments? Think about that. Does that make sense to you? Yes, I had to open a beer. <laughs> That's the lovely thing about doing internet radio. We can just do that. No, I mean, you can do that anywhere. You just can't necessarily say it. But just think about that angle. And and are you one of those people that, that made that comment about how you're going to go kick somebody's ass that you see... Uh, desecrating the American flag? Are you that person? Is that something you would do? Desecrate the flag. Make fun of Muslims. You know, drawing a picture of Muhammad is just as offensive to people who believe in a religion as standing on the American flag to people who wrap themselves in that piece of cloth. And that really has been bothering me all week. I've really thought about that a lot. Because again, you know, people I respect, people I care about, have made these comments. And I just think that's a, a really bad angle to come from. Especially since these people are the same people that would be uh, talking bad about the, the shooters in, in, in uh, Texas or Charlie Hebdo or any of these events. Why? poke a beast why i don't know why i don't know why anybody would want to do that just doesn't make sense so cops probe probe whether kiss exchanged by seven-year-old classmates was unnatural and lucivious what Florida police last week investigated whether a kiss exchanged by a seven-year-old elementary student amounts to lewd and lascivious behavior, according to an incident report. Responding to allegations that the ch children kissed on the lips during class last Tuesday, a Manatee County Sheriff's Office deputy was dispatched to the school to investigate, according to reports, which includes a charge description as unnatural and lascivious. The report, which contains redactions, does not indicate the source of the kissing allegations, 
Deputy April Colbreth reported speaking with a teacher who witnessed the incident. Thereafter, Cor- Cor- Colbreth concluded that there was no indication that there was anything sexual about the incident and no evidence that Florida state law, state law had been violated. The case has been closed, unfounded. Are you kidding me? Really? Two kids, two seven-year-olds giving each other a kiss? And we're going to open up cases of lewd and lascivious behavior? Give me a break, people. Now, I remember being a six, seven-year-old kid and playing doctor in the garage with the neighbor girl. That's what children do. You know, we, we have this neighbor here. Got a cute little daughter, same age as my son. They were, uh, they like to hang out and play on the weekends and things. And, and one day they were over there and Lexi went to check on them. And, uh, they walk into the bedroom, the, the, the other mother and, and my wife walk into the bedroom and they're like, where are the kids? And they open up the closet door and my son bolted out and just ran and ran all the way home. <laughs> That's what kids do. I mean, are we really going to start charging seven-year-olds with rape? Is that really the direction they're looking at going here? I mean, come on, people. Really? That's just ludicrous. I, when I read that art, that story, I, I was taken back. I just couldn't believe that, that, that that's even a news story. I, I mean, children don't know what they're doing. They're exploring. They're, they're, they, they see their parents kiss. They see their grandparents kiss. They see their brothers and, and sisters kiss, you know, their girlfriends. Let's not, this whole, this whole, uh, what, what is it called? Political, uh, correctness? Come on, guys. Stop it. I mean, that's just, just, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about it. That's how bad it is. It just blows my mind that I could even, even read it, an article based on that. I don't know. Uh, something that was discussed last week on Jack's show uh, that I, I wanted to touch on last week, and, and unfortunately I open up a lot of articles and I tend to get uh, pigeonholed into one or two topics throughout a show. Last week we spent a lot of time on Baltimore. Uh, we'll probably discuss it later on. Uh, I don't want to really get into it right now. I'm, I'm happy we see six charges being filed. Uh, let's let the uh, the system, <laughs> that thing, yeah, that system, Let's let the system do its job. Uh, and, and everybody stop arguing. This was done too quick. Guess what? If that was any one of us that was even remotely close to that situation, we'd be in jail. We'd be, we'd be arrested, charged, and awaiting a hearing. So let it be done. Let it happen. Let the hearings go through. Let a try, a jury, determine the outcome for these individuals. And that's what should be happening more and more and more in these these obvious cases of of police brutality, police aggression, police going above and beyond what they should. I was listening to, to the news today at lunch, and they had this guy on it. It was CNN, and they were talking about police training. And how they have, uh, and don't quote me on the numbers, cause I'm trying to go by memory, but it was like 60, 60 hours of, of handgun training and, and 40 hours of, uh, you know, hand to hand type control and like four hours or, or maybe eight hours of 
um, de-escalation training. I think it should be 60 hours of de-escalation training. Shooting a gun is really not that hard. Once you know how to shoot a gun, once you got your, your stuff down, it's just a matter of practice. It's not that hard. But when they want you to kill people, they make sure you train and train and train on it. Just like in the military. What's the main thing you think we do in basic training when you're in the military? You spend the most time handling, learning, and shooting your rifle because they want you to kill. That's the whole intention of that training, is to kill. Well, if our cops are spending 60 to 80 hours of their training learning how to kill instead of de-escalate, what do you think they're going to do first? What's going to be their angle of attack first? My guess is they're going to kill first. And that's what we see happening. Way too many situations that people don't need to die in. Yes, maybe the person was a little off. Maybe they were having mental problems. Maybe they were just an asshole. Okay, there's assholes out there. I understand that. I get that. I'm not saying there isn't. But we really need to to try to get a better focus on the training of our officers. And I'm not an anarchist. I don't believe there should be no police departments at all. I know a lot of people listening right now might have that 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 thought pattern. And I don't I don't knock you for having that thought pattern, but we always need um some kind of organized I don't want to say discipline, but some kind of organized authority that that can help dispute or to help settle disputes. And that's really what the sheriff started as. You know, that that's really what his job was, is to help between citizens settle disputes. And if needed, take one into custody, if there was a law broken. But I don't see that as what, what a majority of law enforcement, at least what I'm seeing the most of. Obviously, I, I'm very one-sided. I, I pay attention to certain things. I watch certain websites. I listen to certain people. And unfortunately, that is the biggest topic we're staring at right now, is this police brutality. How do we stop it? We all need to get together and try to. As I started out here, I know Jack covered this. I don't know how I starburst. I starburst a lot, if you haven't figured that out, if you're a new listener. Yeah, I like to starburst. I'm all over the place sometimes. My brain is like that. I've got a little ADHD. U.S. lowers fluoride levels in drinking water for the first time in over 50 years. Now, I'm against fluoride in the water, period. It shouldn't be there. Uh, I've been involved with a lot of different people who have fought to get it removed. Uh, I've spoken to scientists and doctors who, who believe it needs to be removed. Obviously... If the government is saying, we need, to, we need to lower this a little bit, there there might be an issue. There might be a problem there, right? Would you agree? Now, pointed out, I believe it is uh, colder areas. No, let's, here, how about we just read the story, okay? 
The government is lowering the recommended amount of fluoride added to drinking water for the first time in more than 50 years. Some people are getting too much fluoride because it is also now put in toothpaste, mouthwash, and other products. Health officials said Monday, of health officials said Monday in announcing the change. Too much fluoride has become a common cause of white spots on the teeth of children. One study found about two out of five adolescents had tooth streaking or spotness. Or, yes, spottiness. Well, let's not, you know, they're not going to talk about how it affects the, uh, the, uh, uh, damn it, what's that one called? The, the one thing it affects in the brain there. It, it hardens it. Um, ah, Jesus. Anyway. Fluoride is a mineral in water and soil. About 70 years ago, scientists discovered that people who dr- whose drinking water naturally had more fluoride also had fewer cavities. Yes, natural fluoride. See, they don't tell you that the fluoride they add to the water is a byproduct of a chemical reaction. I, I think it's uh, steel or some. I, 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 again, now I'm, my brain went stupid and I'm forgetting facts. Since 1962, the government has been advising water systems to add fluoride to a level of 0.7 parts per million for warmer climates, where people drink more water, to 1.2 parts per million in cooler areas. The new standard is 0.7 everywhere. Hmm. You notice in the colder areas, you might see some more problems, like Michigan. Grand Rapids, Michigan became the world's first city to add fluoride to its drinking water in 1945. Six years later, a study found a dramatic decline in tooth decay among children there, and the U.S. Surgeon General endorsed water fluoridation. But adding fluoride was, and has remained, controversial. Some people have vehemently fought adding fluoride to local water supplies. Today, about 75% of Americans get fluoridated water. The change announced Monday finalizes a a proposal first made four years ago. The government spend, spent years sorting through and responding to 19,000 public comments. So, is that a win? I, I guess we could consider it a slight win. You know, we see these, these, these slight little things where obviously we're making an impact on people. People are questioning things. And that's all we're here to do. We're just here to, to give the, the information that we believe in, that we think is important. And share it out to you. There's a lot more problems with water fluoridation than just having white spots on your teeth. You know, go read your toothpaste. Go see what it says. <laughs> if you swallow some, you might have to call poison control. That would, uh, that would give me a little concern. I hope it gives you a concern. Another thing I consider a win, a move forward for us, a good job, people. That's not 100% a great job, but this is another win. Chipotle to stop using genetically altered ingredients. Now, yes, they are still going to be selling high fructose corn syrup, latent sodas, aspartame-laden sodas, and, you know, hey, even the natural sodas that they say have, you know, no aspartame, no high fructose corn syrup, they still use GMO sugars, but... It's still a step in the right direction. We need to see more steps in the right direction. It makes people go, wait, why is, why is this, why is this company not using this now? Well, I heard this crazy guy on the radio, you know, or my, my crazy cousin who believes in conspiracy theories 
always talked about these GMO foods, and now this company's not using them anymore? I wonder why that is. And then maybe they'll go look into it themselves. Wouldn't that be grand? I think that's a great thing. I think it's a good, another good move forward. I think it's a move in the right direction. And I hope it continues to go in that direction. We need more companies, more people to realize these problems. In a first for a major restaurant change, Chipotle Mexican Grill on Monday, which was this was last week, will begin preparing only food that is free of genetically engineered ingredients. This is another step towards the vision we have of changing the way people think about and eat fast food, said Steve Ellis, founder and co-chief executive of Chipotle. Just because food is served fast doesn't mean it has to be made with cheap raw ingredients, highly processed with preservatives and fillers and stabilizers and artificial colors and flavors. In 2013, Chipotle was the first restaurant chain to indicate which items contain genetically modified organisms. And a small but growing number of restaurants, largely in fine dining, yeah, because you got money if you go to fine dining, also now label their menus. Grocers, too, are moving to offer consumers more products free of genetically altered ingredients. Whole Foods Store will label any products containing such ingredients by 2018. And Walmart is vastly expanding its selection of organic foods, which are free of genetically altered uh, altercations by law. You know, and a lot of this is business. A lot of this is people wanting to make money. So let's take a break. We've got Scott Rickard joining us uh, in the next hour or in the next half hour here. Uh, we'll probably go a full straight hour with him. I doubt I'll take a second break unless we both feel we need to uh, breathe for a moment. That happens sometimes. So when I come back, I'll have Scott Rickard with me. You guys will listen to First 52 on RazRadioLive.com and RadioFreeBlood.com. Stick in there. We'll be back. Look at my crayon. What am I supposed to say? What am I doing? <laughs> What's your name again? John Ray. Four Toad and Lexi. Oh, I mentioned Four Toad? Sure. Oh. Four Dave. Dave. <laughs> Hey, it's always great to be on the first 52 with Sean Raz or Toad and Lexi. You know, I don't, that sounds like shit. What am I, give me a script here. Come on, I can't do this. You're putting me on, under pressure. Bob, don't worry about it here. And uh, Dr. Bob. It's Dr. Bob, yeah. Dr. Bob Tuscan. Bob Tuscan, and you're listening to the first 52 on Raz Radio with my buddies Sean Raz and Lexi Raz and that guy, Four Toad. Wait till they repeat it. Panic in the streets from a global. 
possession Thinning out the hurt, the suicide and depression The tears are filling up their glasses No expression No just fine. The official national bullshit story. We have been compelled to create a permanent armaments industry of vast proportions. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state house, every office of the federal government. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military
You're listening to the first 52, God Only Knows Why. All right, guys, welcome back to the first 52 on RazRadioLive.com and RadioFreeBlood.com. As usual, Jack, I love you. I appreciate you carrying me. Going into this hour here, I've got somebody, if you've listened to my show in the past, you've heard Scott Rickard before. Uh, former intelligence agent, really just a smart guy. He covers a lot of things that I don't usually get into, which is nice because he can help me learn. So that's what we're going to do together. We're going to learn with Scott tonight some things that we maybe need to know. Maybe it'll help us out, get through all this madness we see. So let's bring Scott up. Scott, you there, buddy? I am here. Thank you for having me, Sean. Excellent. I love having you on, man, because it's always a good time. You're a very smart man. You've you've been there. You've been through a lot of different things in life. Um, let's review your background real fast for the listeners, uh, so they know in case we got anybody new listening, what you're all about. So you want me to? Yeah, you if you could do it, yeah, because you do a lot no, better I, than I will. <laughs> uh, uh, well, I don't know. I kind of like to hear people talk about me. <laughs> well, you know, you were you no, were no. you were in the Air Force. Uh, you were yes, a, I was. You a, 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 uh, intelligence analysis in the Air Force. Sure. Uh, you moved on from there to do some other things. And yeah. you just seem to be an upfront guy. And that's why I always liked you. I remember the first time I heard you on Jack's show. And, and that's when I reached out. I said, Jack, I need to find this guy. Well, how can I talk to him? And then we started talking uh, after that. Oh, I love Jack. Jack's, Jack's, uh, you know, he's, he's a, he's an icon in the independent radio like yourself. I mean, you guys do a really good job at, 
you know, sticking with it and you got a good following, you got a good crowd uh, of people that are open-minded and willing to, uh, you know, uh, at least, uh, um, consider other, uh, um, options, you know, than what we're unfortunately spoon fed. Well, th- so, that's uh, what we're here for. You know, we all, the, we are the alternative media. I don't call myself a journalist. I'm a radio show host. I read other people's journalistic stuff and I interview people like you who, who have a, a common sense and a good understanding and a good a foothold on what's going on. Uh, so right. I never claim to be a journalist or somebody who knows what's going on. I just share my opinion on what I see and read. Whereas you, are an expert in, in this field of what we're going to discuss. Well, I mean, in the, the real crux of this is that, you know, we all are bound by our own perspective, you know, and, uh, you know, some of, some people have been exposed to other things, uh, that have, um, you know, introduced them to different information that might give them a, uh, a perspective that has a more broad, uh, um, view. And then at the same time, uh, other people, uh, will, not accept those broad accept our perspectives because they're they're just too far off the uh, the reservation of what they've uh, they've been uh, you know controlled with you know their their books their families their religions and so on and so forth. What they've been told to believe is is what they've been told it. to believe, right? And, yeah, and it's very contradicting and it's it's difficult. I mean, I've I've worked with uh, people that are still in the intelligence community that are so gung ho and you know just so um, uh, um, very. Um, uh, I wouldn't call it brainwash, but, uh, but they are, but they are very narrow minded and they are not willing to look at the actual, uh, uh, data sets that, uh, that could question their, uh, um, their perspective. And these are people, that, these are people that were in the position you were in at one point in time in your life. And oh, yeah. I, I know you and I have discussed this before because I remember asking you this before, but I'm going to ask you again. When and what was your enlightening mo- moment? Okay, so um, I'll, I'll jump back uh, uh, two steps on this one because I'll go for my uh, uh, my upbringing. You know, I was, I was brought up as a military brat. Uh, I grew up, uh, I had nannies uh, when I was uh, before three years old for the first three years of my life, German nannies. My parents would send me off for a week, uh, you know, with some stranger to to raise me. And, and you know, that was the, the concept of, a, of an American military person at the time, you know, in the 1960s. And so here I was being raised by somebody that the Americans were occupying their country. We had uh, uh, fought a war against their country, killed their uh, their uh, their brethren, and uh, and now um, you know we're allowing them to actually raise their our own kids, you know, in their own homes as my parents gallivanted around Germany, uh, uh, you know, taking a vacation while they're trusting some uh, you know somebody that it was just very unknown to them. And so then at the same time, you know, that whole mentality of the military moving around on a very, you know, uh, sporadic and uh, um, uh, a very spontaneous pace is a different lifestyle than growing up in Mayberry or growing up in, uh, you know, the same city where you go to school with the same kids. And I went to, uh, you know, by the time I filled out my security clearance uh, when I went into the military, I had lived uh, at 17 years old. I had lived over 20 different places. So, wow. you know, it was, it was a quite a list of, uh, of things that I had to list, you know, places I've lived and places I've been. And, and then I, I got lucky in the military. I studied Arabic and Korean. I moved on, uh, uh, worked a little bit at the NSA and then worked at NASA, worked in the, uh, um, the industrial, um, the, actually the internet industrial revolution. It was what I call it, where I got to work with a lot of different technologies, uh, worked with a lot of large carriers, uh, Comcast, uh, Time Warner. Um, AT&T, uh, British Petroleum from a petroleum perspective. 
so I got a good I got a good uh, aspect of American, uh, European, uh, South uh, South American, uh, Southeast Asian, as well as uh, um, Middle Eastern companies that I was working with. So it was a really interesting experience, and at the same time, the the catalyst for me going, hey, wait a second, things don't look right, was the Iran Contra. Okay, I mean, I was I was working at NSA at the time. We all knew that everybody knew the details about Iran Contra. Bush had direct communiques involved in that. You know, Bush was uh, uh, Bush H.W. Senior. Bush yeah. Senior, H.W. Bush was uh, um, was you know one of the people that I know actually gave him a birthday cake on a flight out of Venice, Florida, going down to Panama uh, as they were delivering cash back to Panama from the cocaine cowboys days. Why does Venice always seem to fall in? I mean, remember, nine, and Venice is only 20 minutes from me. And the nine eleven, yeah, I'm very close. And the nine eleven pilot was uh, trained in Venice. You know, how come yep, Venice yep. falls into that that cycle? Is there a reason? So that that private quote unquote private uh, um, Air Force base or not Air Force base uh, um, uh, Air airfield there, right? Uh, is uh, very well known for uh, CIA operations. Uh, the CIA was bringing in heroin and cocaine in there for many years. Uh, it was because it was uh, at the time uh, a, a lot less populated. Uh, and also there was, um, you know, uh, quite a bit, uh, Mark Shubin, uh, who is, uh, a, a CIA asset. Uh, he was a former U2 pilot. Um, he flew in, um, uh, probably 200 missions from Caracas, bringing in heroin from the, uh, Russian mafia, uh, uh, into Venice. Uh, so, and, uh, Daniel Hopsicker, who lives in that area, uh, wrote a great book, uh, called Welcome to Terrorland. Uh, and it's, uh, basically details the, uh, the CIA operations there prior to and, and throughout, uh, as well as leading up to 9-11, because he also recognized that Mohammed Atta trained at a CIA, um, uh, flight school. Uh, so, so there's a very interesting aspect that was totally either, uh, um, covered up by the FBI or overlooked by the FBI. Um, it, but the fact, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, and, and and I can back up what you're saying because I've spoken to locals who have lived here for 50, 60 years. There's a town just um, east of me. It's called Northport, which recently, yeah, exactly yeah, recently it's grown a lot in the past 10 years. But prior to that, there were nothing but roads. And they would tell me stories of how they would land planes on these roads yep. out in Northport to bring drugs in. And also, right literally less than four miles from me is an airport called Rotunda Community Airport. And this this airport is where all the elite fly in to go to Boca Grande, which is where they all vacation at down here. The Bushes have a house out there. The Clintons go out there. So this airport is extremely old um, uh, cocaine and heroin drug running money. This is this makes what the Kennedys did with uh, um, with liquor and uh, and prohibition liquor importation look like uh, you know uh, nothing. These these individuals bought in so much illicit drugs into the United States that they actually built Branson, Missouri, uh, as the, the country and Western headquarters for drugs because Nashville did not like all the cocaine and heroin coming into Nashville. Well, wasn't so, there a big airport in, in uh, Arizona that Clinton was attached to with the two children? Do you ever hear the story of the uh, train murders? The, I'm not familiar with that story, no. There's a story, and it connects the Clintons to the drug running, and apparently these two young boys uh, went out and smoked a lot of pot and passed out on the train tracks and got ran over by a train. 
but the hmm. parents and a lot of people believe that they had seen some airdrops being done. Uh, I, I forget the town in Arizona. It's a, there's a great documentary about it that I play when I do Doc Days. Uh, and they, they talk about these young boys had, had, they, they were already damaged prior to these. There's so many different things about this, this mm. train story, uh, out of Arizona. And it connects with all these things that we're discussing right now. Uh, so this is what led you, the, the Iran Contra is what led you to go, wait a second. Absolutely. Something's wrong Absolutely. here. We all saw, um, Ali North, you know, uh, calling out Abu Nidal. Abu Nidal at the time was a, uh, um, obviously, a, uh, an individual who was against the occupation of, of, uh, Palestine by Israel. Uh, he was, um, also, uh, you know, connected to the, uh, the Munich, um, attack, uh, during the Olympics. So there were, there were, you know, certain aspects, uh, him being like, uh, the Osama bin Laden of my time. And, uh, that was when, uh, you know, he was asked, you know, why do you have a $50,000 security system on your house? You know, you're a Marine Corps officer. Why do you need so much protection? He said he was afraid of Abu Nidal. And Abu Nidal was, uh, at the time, you know, obviously well, uh, um, I guess, uh, a well-known, uh, entity, uh, for the, uh, resistance to Western imperialism and the, and the, uh, Zionist occupation of, uh, of Palestine. And, and I didn't see it that way at the time. At the time, all I saw was, uh, you had this country, uh, that was, uh, um, supposed to be our ally that acted as a, uh, um, you know, as sort of an independent that had attacked the USS Liberty. I knew survivors from the USS Liberty. I yep. knew that this had been covered up, you know, at the time. And, and I thought, you know, that's one incident, but, you know, our country, you know, for the, for the greater good, I thought we were, we were good. Right. Well, as I saw things going on, the drug running, the money laundering, the arms dealing, you know, all of those things, and they culminated into, you know, yet another, uh, you know, Colonel, uh, Ali North getting up and lying and, and bold-faced lying to, uh, uh, Congress. I said, enough is enough. You know, uh, several of my colleagues, we turned state's evidence into, uh, uh, the Justice Department. It was swept under the rug, and uh, needless to say, I was like, you know, this is no good. You know, this is a this is a country that, you know, has a very private newspaper that's written only for the intelligence community, although the people pay for it, and then at the same time they lie to the people through these, uh, you know, NPR, you know, MSNBC, you know, CBS, the, the, the mouth, ABC, the, the talk, the, the talking heads, the talking heads of the of the Pentagon, the Pentagon. Basically, and the State Department set a precedence, and then it's just, it's repeated like, uh, you know, feeding bird food to birds, and, uh, and, and there. And, and everybody just sucks it up. That's what I don't get. Everybody eats it up. Oh my everybody God. Everybody chooses drives, their side and eats it up. It drives me nuts. So, it really does. So I, I kind of separated myself from it. I thought there's nothing I can do. There was no social media. There was no, you know, I, I, I mean, I had no, uh, I had no ambition, I should say, to start my own radio station. And I had no interest, you know, I thought, what can one man do, you know, I mean, I, so I went to go work for uh, um, Computer Science Corporation at Patrick Air Force Base and Kennedy Space Center and, and uh, uh, Cape Canaveral, and while I was there, I was able to, you know, kind of, you know, watch the, the activity and, and see how they were framing Saddam Hussein to be this, like, horrible guy, but at the same time, I'm like, hey, we gave that guy mustard gas. We, we gave him everything guy, he has. <laughs> we, we gave him everything, you know, he was... He was killing millions of or hundreds of thousands of uh, Iranians on our behalf. He was, uh, um, you know, basically going against uh, um, Hafez al-Assad, uh, um, Assad's father, you know, in Syria. in Syria. So he was he was our advocate as a as a Sunni uh, because he was part of the Sunni triangle that, that controlled uh, um, uh, Iraq at the time. 
So he acted as a puppet uh, for us, and then obviously when we he uh, um, when we coerced him into attacking uh, um, Kuwait, right, right, yep. he ended up uh, becoming. Uh, we 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 instantly made him, you know, conveniently made him our enemy, and then obviously turned this whole nightmare uh, a, a loose, you know, not only throughout the uh, the Persian Gulf and Middle East, but also now in North Africa. So it's getting crazy. You know, I just heard uh, one of the, the, the morning shows I listen to. You know, I got to listen to comedy every once in a while. And I listen to a, the Bubble of Love Sponge show and, and they were talking about one of their interns just got deployed to, to uh, Africa or uh, South America or South Africa. I'm sorry. Yeah. And it's like, wow, why are we going there now? Like, is that the, the stepping point to Syria? Is that the stepping point to Russia and China? What so are they South just there Afri- for diamonds? You know, what are they there for? No, so South Africa, obviously, uh, they, these are pretty independent. Uh, they have their own uh, um, uh, uh, economy when it comes to uh, petroleum. They have their own economy when it comes to uh, um, uh, precious stones. Uh, they also have uh, um, a, a very um, uh, interesting development that's similar to what uh, Gaddafi did in the late 60s, apartheid did in uh, um uh, when it fell, uh, it, and the people uh, that took over South Africa. And the interesting about South Africa, it's one of the most outspoken, uh, countries against the occupation of Palestine by Israel. So what you'll see is that it will be turned into, over time, yet another adversary to the, uh, um, to the Western imperialism that guides, uh, uh, the control, not only the monetary, uh, um, or the currency aspect of, of our world, but also of the uh, the political agenda that's tied to, to that currency. So is this the next Middle East? Well, it is a target that is not cooperating with uh, Western hegemony. Uh, they have they have uh, clearly spoken out uh, like um, Ecuador. Uh, they've clearly spoken out like Venezuela. Uh, um, there are a small list of countries that have said, "Hey, what the West is doing is wrong." And uh, um, when that happens, uh, you basically get put on an economic hitman list. And then as the economics uh, burden you down, then you become so weak that you become an easy prey for revolution. And uh, then we instill some sort of... Uh, puppet uh, government. Uh, puppet government. We instill... You know, obviously, we have uh, um, uh, military and uh, uh, diplomatic relations there. So, you know, we have a myriad of influences that may take 5, 10, 15 years to manipulate, but these aren't people who operate on one-year plans. Right. These are people who operate on, you know, uh, long-term goals. Uh, they have, you know, uh, they have sons and daughters that will take over, that will go to the greatest schools in the world, uh, Tufts University and Fletcher School of Law, and get trained and become ambassadors and get trained and become State Department individuals, and then take on the roles, because... The, the, the congressmen and the senators, they come and go. But the guys at the think tanks and the guys at the State Department and the guys in the intelligence community and the guys in the military, they're there for 30, 40 year careers. Right. Yeah. They're, they always stick so, around and, and that, that leads to these things that we see. I mean, we got McCain. Look at the people we have now that have been around for 30 or 40 years. Right. That are running the show, that are, that are really pushing the agenda. Think uh, about the people behind the scenes that support them. Right. Yeah. It's, there have been so many of them. It's so hard because you watch people get, they, they get sucked into this, this dogma of a political stance, of a left right, of I have to support, I have to love this person, I have to support, I have to love this person. 
I have to make a choice. Right. Otherwise, I'm not participating. Right. And by the way, that choice is meaningless. But they, they believe that, they, that they, by making that choice, they at least participate. Well, that's like I haven't covered the election cycle this year yet. I, I really don't plan to talk much about it because I agree with what Jack has predicted now for two years is that it's going to be Jeb Bush or, or it's going to be Jeb and Hillary running and Jeb's going to win. It's the cycle. We're going to have to deal with all this BS that's going. Why would I? Why bother wasting my time talking about something? I know the result of at the end, pretty much. You know, we know it's not going to be Rand Paul that wins. We know it's not going to be these little guys that win. Uh, as Jack spoke today, they have to use this as the bully puppet, or the uh, is that right? Yeah, the bully puppet. Uh, as they're speaking, post. Yeah, <laughs> bully pulpit. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Anyway. Um, did you see recently, uh, I think it came out today, actually. Let me get up to where I can see the date here. Oh, of course, that's going to, there we go. Gotta love computers. Yeah, it came out today. New statue in Germany illustrates just how much the rest of the world opposes the U.S. police state. Hmm. And this statue was, I guess, unveiled this weekend or this week. Uh, the, the statue is basically a homage to the three people in our country who have gone against the government and spoken out. It's a statue of Edward Snowden, Julian mm-hmm. Assange, and Chelsea Manning. Which interesting, yeah, yeah. I did see that uh, report though about those three being uh, memorialized in Germany. What's interesting is I did a report uh, um, uh, actually last night uh, out of Tehran on Press TV, talking very much about the same thing about how the German people actually see the NSA as the new Stasi of America because mm-hmm. we actually inherited. You know, under Operation Paperclip and uh, all the Russians, uh, all the Germans came here. All, all the German intelligence, all the German skinny, and all of the German war machine basically was inherited by the British and the Americans. In fact, we went out of our way to make sure that the Russians didn't get it because we knew how valuable it was um, and how how useful it would be to us. So what what we did is we actually turned our country into the Fourth Reich, and uh, we have become one of the best intelligence collection. We've and the German people see this. The German people actually are one of the few people on the planet that understand how dangerous it is what we have become. And so I'm not a I'm not the biggest fan of Assange and Snowden. Uh, and uh, who was the third one again? Uh, Manning, Manning, and Manning as well. I mean, you know, these are these are young kids. You know, they're uh, you know, uh, for example, uh, uh, Snowden still believes in this war on terror. You know, he's uh, but he's, he has all this. Inf- of- but he has all this information, Scott. Come on, he's got to know better, right? Well, may- maybe yes and no. He's young, I and mean, at the same time, um, you know, you don't know what his agenda or intentions are as a person because none of us really know him very that well. You know, we know him, know him from the news. He has a very good spokesman who has a very good platform, uh, Glenn Greenwald. Right. But at the end of the day, he still is very pro-anti-terrorism. He's very pro-American. He just believes in privacy of Americans, which. Okay, yeah, that's great. I'm glad you believe in the privacy of Americans. He could give a damn or a rat's ass about privacy of other people on the planet. And he's very, he's, he's a very patriotic boy, which is fine. Mm-hmm. And he reminds me a bit of, uh, um, of a Patsy, uh, um, uh, uh, Oswald. Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald was exactly the same. He was cut from the same mold. Um, this was a guy who was a, uh, Russian linguist, Marine Corps, working on the DSCP, the downlink SIGIN collection platform for the U2 program. And just so happens, a few months after he goes to Russia, the Russians are able to shoot down Gary Powers in the U2. And, uh, and then a year or so later, he defects 
uh, from Russia, apparently, after he defected from the United States, with the clearance, by the way, in the Marine Corps. And he comes back to the United States and doesn't end up in uh, Fort Leavenworth? Right, right. I can tell you a fact is that if I ever left the country and went to my target nation as a, uh, as a linguist uh, working in the Air Force, if I came back to the country, I would have ended up in, in Fort Leavenworth as a, uh, as a traitor. So something was, a, was, was amidst with this guy being allowed to go to Russia and then come back and then not only uh, pass out flyers uh, for, uh, you know, pro-Castro flyers in right, New right. Orleans, but, but, also, but, but also date Judith Miller, who was weaponizing cancer for, this, for the U.S. government and the intelligence community. That, that's, so, that's a scary thought there alone. That's a whole other subject we can get into. So it's a whole other subject, but, but that's why I say Edward Snowden kind of reminds me of this, because here you have a guy who, A, one, once again, is loyal to the, uh, the U.S. government, is loyal to the, uh, to the whole agenda. And if he's able to come back and doesn't go to jail, just keep an eye on that guy because he may be a uh, an unwilling or an unknowing asset, or he may be a knowing asset to the intelligence community. To because the things that he quote unquote revealed have been known to you know from guys like William Binney and James Bamford and so many other things. There are so many other people that have informed the public in so many of uh, the similar ways. Maybe not the specific programs of today. But certainly the actual aspects and the, and the, and the, the capacity of the, of the U.S. government. I mean, I've been saying it over and over again. This capacity is just the tip of the iceberg with, uh, what we see from Snowden. It is absolutely a, a minute portion of what the government's really capable of doing. And, and so I, I'll be honest yeah. with you. I never trusted, uh, Snowden or Assange. Manning, uh, you know, I kind of feel he might be the true uh, person that gets stuck in this one. I, I, the other two, I don't really trust either. So I'll be uh, straight up honest with you on that one. I yeah, think I'm not there's... really sure about Assange either. Assange, Assange, you know, but the guy has been stuck in an embassy for a while. They certainly are making him, uh, you know, turning him into uh, some sort of uh, uh, Rumpelstiltskin. I don't know what the hell he's. Up yeah, to. but when they make a movie about somebody yeah. like that, then then I start questioning. You know, go to go to the the movie about killing, which I've never watched, but the the killing of Osama bin Laden. That movie, uh, what was the name of that one? Oh, I remember when you're talking about Zero yeah. Dark Thirty. Oh my God, how what a, what a piece of crap that was! I've told you the story on that, right? With um, no, I don't think you have. So, the guy who broke the story for uh, Osama bin Laden, quote unquote, takedown in in Obadabad, uh, um, Pakistan. Mm-hmm. He um, he was the he is the son of the deputy of the Cyber Warfare Division at the time for the NSA, uh, General Schmeidel. The son's name is uh, Eric Schmeidel. Uh, Eric's, uh, um, uh, he, he was a graduate in uh, um, uh, American University, and his first job was working for an NGO in uh, Pakistan, uh, basically writing reports about tribes across Pakistan. Now, first of all, the guy, guy didn't speak Pashto, Urdu, nothing. He didn't speak any kind of the languages. He was just getting reports from other linguists, and supposedly writing them up. So, you know, whatever information he was providing, he wasn't getting firsthand, so he was believing what other people told him. So he was simply a mouthpiece for whoever it was that was feeding him the information. Which we see all the time when, when things are, time. yeah, when they operate these things, there's always one person that is given the responsibility of disseminating the information. Right. Pakistani intelligence uh, recognized uh, um, uh, Eric Schmeidel as a... Um, a potential uh, um, 
intelligence and uh, security threat and actually threw him out of uh, the country. And when he was thrown out of the country, Eric Schmeidel, he came to the United States uh, and was he got a job immediately at the New America Foundation, which is a think tank in uh, Washington, D.C., founded by Eric Schmidt, who is the founder of no, or who is the CEO of Novell and the CEO of Google. And he founded the uh, New America Foundation, which is a CIA think tank uh, for Google. Uh, and that's where that's where Eric Schmeidel ended up before he wrote the takedown story of Osama bin Laden. Now, so, let me ask you, did that uh, the uh, New American Foundation, did that replace the Trilateral Commission? Because I know they. No, 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 no. So. So what happens with these think tanks? Uh, obviously, the ones that are in place, AEI, Trilateral Commission, CFR, Brookings, um, uh, the Carnegie, all of these guys are, are established. I mean, some of these things have, you know, multi-billion dollar, um, uh, you know, assets and, and hundreds of millions of dollars in uh, annual um, uh, budgets. But at the end of the day, those organizations, like the Brookings Institute is a really good example they house uh, some of the most um, uh, influential people uh, on the face of the planet when it comes to the United States and Goldman Sachs. A lot of the uh, um, uh, former Federal Reserve folks, uh, a lot of the uh, former Goldman Sachs uh, executives, those folks are the ones that are very high up in the food chain at Brookings, for example. Now, when you go to these other smaller organizations uh, like Center for New American Security, or you go to PNAC. Uh, um, Would PNAC fall on this? PNAC, PNAC is a little different. Uh, it's been around a lot longer. These are newer ones. New America Foundation and Center for New American Security are both new left-wing, um, uh, uh, neoliberal type uh, organizations that that tie into the intelligence communities and the military-industrial complex in a very big way. And they're creating a lot of the new cyber warfare. They're creating a lot of the new. Uh, intelligence, surveillance, and reconnaissance uh, methodologies. Uh, these are the folks that are dealing with next-generation technologies uh, outside of the older guard. And then they also have some of the next-generation uh, um, propagandists uh, like Glenn Greenwald or, or like, you know, don't get me wrong, Glenn Greenwald is nine times out of ten, I agree with the stuff that he talks about. But there's that 10% that uh, Glenn Greenwald's got, you know, he's, He's got a, um, you know, he's got an agenda. He's got cer- certain things that he supports that I don't agree with. Right, right. Well, and, if he was, in the way I look at it, is if, if he was really on our side, he would be uh, Michael Hastings. Just my yeah, opinion. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, so when you look at the, uh, the aspect of like a group like New America Foundation, you have to look at all the journalists that work there. You have to look at all the technologists that work there. And there's a different aspect uh, um, of, uh, of agenda associated with each one of the articles that they put out, you know, much like foreign policy magazine that comes out of, uh, you know, the CFR. So there are, you know, there are, there are agendas. And don't get me wrong, foreign policy magazine, every once in a while, you know, out of a hundred articles, there's probably five or ten that I think are great, but that's a CFR publication. I've you know, read some of their stuff and it's kind of, there, there is some, some good stuff that comes out of there every once in a while. You're like, oh, well, that makes kind of sense. And then you read the next thing. You're like, oh, wait, now this all ties together. Right, right. Yeah, so, you have to read more than one to really get what they're doing, I've learned. Yeah, and that, and that's the thing is that, you know, there, there are, it depends on the journalist, it depends on obviously the content, and it depends on the, uh, you know, the, the inter, you know, sort of the geopolitical agenda associated with the, um, the, the driving uh, think tank. 
So when when I say that that Eric Schmeidel is a propagandist for the State Department and for the and, and working at a think tank, I say that very confidently because I know that the story he wrote about uh, uh, New America Foundation or, or about the Osama bin Laden takedown was absolute garbage. You know, there was absolutely no way that you can get within West Point and attack for an hour, you know, uh, five, ten minutes away from West Point where there's police all around and you're crashing helicopters and shooting off guns <laughs> and nobody rolls up on you. Right. And you know, nobody rolled up on these guys. And then after all is said and done, there's no you know, autopsies. There's, you know, the buildings are destroyed. Nobody's interviewed. Everything is just like, okay. We're you know, done. Is, we're out of here. See you later. We're going to yeah, throw yeah. him in the ocean. We're done with him now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he defrosted him. Now it's time to throw him in the ocean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm one of those people that believe he died in 2001, right after September 11th, and was frozen and waiting to be used properly. Who, who the, and, and see, the problem is that the SEAL Team 6 guys that went in and actually did the attack, they actually believed that they were going after Osama bin Laden. They didn't know that that was a double that we had been paying and we had been taken care of, you know, with, alongside the Pakistani intelligence, basically as flypaper for other individuals that we were trying to bring in. Because if you put out a message and people believe, still believe that he's there, then you have you have the flypaper you need in order to attract the flies that you want to catch. Well, you'll catch them every time, then catch them every time. Every and time. And I think that that's I think that that's the that's the idea that we had. And then when we had a rift with the Pakistani intelligence, because they had a Blackwater guy who had murdered two Pakistani intelligence guys in, yep, I remember uh, that. in Islamabad. That was what, uh, 07 or 08, I believe? It was probably about, probably about seven years ago. Yeah, it's about that time. Yeah. Seven. It was just before, uh, the quote unquote Osama bin Laden takedown. Okay. And, and I say that very, 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 very confidently that that was not Osama bin Laden. That was a, that was a, uh, a guy we were using to basically mimic him as a double, and and when it became inconvenient for both of our actually MI6, uh, CIA, and ISI, they they agreed. You know what? We'll let the Americans come in, and you know even even Obama might have believed that he got the right guy. Right. You well, know, they might he not wouldn't even know. Have told him. Right. He might not. Have, he might not have been privy to the fact that it was a fake guy. Well, we don't even know if 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 the guy. Do you we... think the intelligence community is actually honest <laughs> with the with the with the with the president? I don't, I don't know. Mean, you tell it, me that question. <laughs> I would say absolutely not. Well, you know, I it's mean, like we don't even know. Times if... it, there's times at which the intelligence community keeps things under the up too. <laughs> we don't even know if the guy we saw swinging in 2003 was actually Saddam or one of his doubles. For all well, we I know, guarantee that was Saddam. That poor guy. You really think? that was him oh he got he got yeah he got the shaft yeah so so i i I might not have told you this story either um there's a guy who lives in town here in uh um in melbourne florida who was the the guy in the cia that directed ground forces on where to go find saddam hussein and he was he was using uh cell phone uh, um uh, uh signals intelligence to uh basically determine that hey there's a guy you know hiding here in this particular area and then they were sending in ground forces for several months because, you know, obviously you can go look every day because they realize, oh, shit, you know, they realize somebody's here. So they, you know, every over the course of several months, they were sending guys in and out of the area. And then they finally figured out he's definitely in this particular house. And that's when they went and uh, found him hiding in a hole. So they, they used a cell phone to track him down in a spider hole. Basically not his cell phone, but the people who were watching him getting paid, bringing him food, making sure that, you know, he was uh, well taken care of. These were all the people, the Sunnis and the Ba'ath Party guys that were loyal to him. 
they realized, you know, uh, you know, people were trying to talk around on the phone, you know, it's just like, uh, you know, t- you know, trying to, you know, when somebody calls you up for a bag of weed, you know, you're going to be like, no, no, you mean you want a copy of my CD? You know what I mean? It's like, you know, <laughs> uh, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a copy of that new Metallica album. You remember the Metallica album we talked about? Yeah, oh, the Green right. album, right? The Green yeah, album. The green album. <laughs> that's right. Or, oh, you want to, you want to get some of those Al Green tickets? Oh, I gotcha. I you gotcha. know what's scary about that though, Scott? Think about this. That was 2002, 2003, and they were right. able to use the cell phones to track it. And we, we talk about. You know, we just talked oh, about so Assange and, and Snowden. So much easier. Yeah, imagine how much easier it is now. Imagine how easy. And and I guess the the Supreme Court just ruled. I was reading earlier today that the Supreme Court ruled that uh, it's not unconstitutional. To, it's not a warrantless tracking of a cell phone. Apparently, I don't know if you no, saw that. That no. came out earlier. I mean, for God's sakes! I mean, it, you know, there there are things that they can do at Verizon and AT and T that would just blow your mind. I mean. They absolutely know everything that we're doing if they want, if they wanted to use it. Everything can be turned on on our phone remotely. Uh, they can actually remotely track us if they want. These smartphones are nothing more than, uh, incredibly powerful personal surveillance devices. Yeah. And, and it really depends on whether or not you're a target or not. And, uh, you know, obviously they're not going to waste their time recording and uh, monitoring everybody. But they can certainly record and monitor the individuals they want. Let's discuss targets. I'm going to take a quick break here. i got to hit the head real fast. Okay. Let's discuss targets and how we can monitor cell phones so well, but yet we can't stop two guys from shooting, trying to shoot up a, uh, oh, perfect. a Mohammed, uh, 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 two guys that we thing. already knew about for some time. Right. Why don't we discuss that when we come back? How's that sound? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. First 52 on RazRadioLive.com and Radio Free Blood. We'll be back. It's actually the, the very definition of terrorism. They're trying to kill people for a political agenda. It's just, you know, a nicety. So, uh, yeah, just keep in mind, guys, that the news agencies are not there to tell you the truth. They're there to tell you what they're told to tell you. You're still stuck to the American dollar, and you're still stuck to American laws. I still want to have the freedom to go where I want to go if I need to go. Uh, I think that's the most important thing in my mind, at least. And this goes along... If this is going to be another cum, cum trail... I've got lesbians and he's got cum trail. <laughs> okay, why don't you just move along? Animals get in the way when you're doing a radio what show. What I think is gonna, they're going to have to redirect the American's mindset. <laughs> that would have been even more fun. Yeah, that would have been a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I want you all to keep your eyes open and your ears open on what's going on. It's the first 52.
us It's set to explode like a hand grenade does encounter this and felt like this that never happens when you dial 941-421-0401 at razradiolive.com we answer right away and pow you're live on the air talking to one of your favorite hosts no screeners no delays try it now 941-421-0401 and avoid 941-421-0401 If you're a new listener or a seasoned veteran, don't be scared. 941-421-0401 We welcome all. We know how it feels to be ignored. RazRadioLive.com Listen up, listen up, listen up. Walk with me hand in hand. Listen up. 
The burgers off as many fucking bitches I can Rob the molas with the moolah moolah up in Tehran And if they ban me from sex, I'm having sex on the van Knock up a hot Arabian chick and have a little A-rap Put together the first terrorist family band Call us the camel hopping sand dwellers from a foreign land I capture my fans in an unmarked van Jump out in black ski mask and chloroform in my hand When you wake up, I'm more to board than you for the plans Like damn, you must be working for the Taliban Sending secrets through Osama in Afghanistan You're like, what part of the Bill of Rights do you not understand? Hello, children, come and follow me Do exactly as I do and be like I be If you want to live in a country where your kids are free Sleeping sound in a future free of tyranny Or grow up always fearing for their own safety Come on, take a look, get up and see What's the matter, can't you stand? you got your own two feet My bad, forgot a cat and batch tied to the seat Look at us here, how many years in the clear? Nowhere near a nuclear fear You think we steer far away, but I hear it every day Down on the subway, stuck underground Looking round for cats, bearded and brown Carrying rounds of plastics wrapped around Bound for zero ground Fuck, they just announced a briefcase was found With shit that'll kill you without a sound It's getting loud on this train, people going insane Don't worry little girl, it's just a game Hash screams, mommy's name But mommy's in the same trap Scratching an anthrax rash Making a mad dash Mustache rashes, this all happens so fast I'm left with no mask, this nerf gas boots up my ass Turns inside out, now I'm speaking from my rear and got diarrhea of the mouth Hello children, come and follow me Do exactly as I do and be like I be If you wanna live in a country where your kids are free Sleeping sound in a future free of tyranny Who grow up always fearing for their own safety Come on, take a look, get up and see What's the matter, can't you stand, you got your own two feet My bad, forgot a gang, the batch tied to the seat once upon a time I walked the halls of Congress I was fed up with the bullshit and the lack of progress I took it on myself to try and solve it I was sick of the left and sick of the right So I crept up to the White House on the cover at night Grenade belt on my waist, tech nods by my side Then I saw George Bush, thought it should be by the night So I stuck in his eyes, slice off the right side Leave only his left rational mind behind You bet that night got sloppy, like blood dripping on the floor While I'm walking the blade through the lobby Every drop represents a dead soldier's body And if you stand up my way, your legs will probably get wobbly But if you wanna be a hero, then just try to stop me Be known in the news as the first guy to arrive And the last one dead left to see me alive Hello, children, come and follow me Do exactly as I do and be like I be If you wanna live in a country where your kids are free Sleeping sound in a future free of tyranny Or grow up always fearing for their own safety Come on, take a look, get up and see What's the matter, can't you stand, you got your own two feet My bad, forgot a gang, the batch tied to the seat from federaljack.com you're listening to the first 52 where you can hear the inmates run the insane asylum 
That's right, guys. Welcome back to the first 52 on RazRadioLive.com and RadioFreeBlood.com. I hope you got your break on. I hope you got done what you needed. Get some pens, get some paper, because you want to write down this shit you're going to hear. Yeah, let's get back to Scott here. Bring that down a little bit. Bring Scott up a little bit. All right, Scott, you get a break on. You're good. I did. Thank you so much, man. Excellent. We, we always got to take that little break and, and just make sure we got our minds right. We're, we're where we need to be. Unload the bladder, whatever needs to be done. You got to take that break every once in a while. Um, when we left, Scott, we, we wanted to get into what's going on here in America and what has happened recently. Now, I'm going to compare this, in my opinion, and, and some opinion of other people I've heard, as this being Operation Gladio coming to America. What well, do you think of that comment? I'll say yes and no. And by, by yes, I'll say, did these, uh, two individuals who, um, uh, you know, obviously were pretty well known to the, uh, the, the security forces or FBI or whatever you want to call them to the United States do something that, uh, that they probably could have been, uh, monitored a little better? Um, absolutely. They, they, uh, you know, is it like 9-11 where people are allowed to do things in order to create the, uh, uh, you know, if without an enemy, obviously you cannot create a much more uh, powerful um, deterrent. So at the same time, were these guys very um, good at what they did? Absolutely not. You know, these guys were amateurs. You know, they were taken out by a pistol. They had, you know, they had extremely powerful uh, um, uh, automatic weapons, and they were very easily taken out. So... You know, they were, you know, a, a, a police officer took them out with a pistol and these guys had, you know, body armor and automatic weapons. Right. So, so, and, and were they, were they going against a very emphatically unthoughtful group of people like Gert Wilders and these, uh, these crazy, you know, Islamophobic, uh, nut jobs that are out there? Absolutely. There's, there's plenty of people like poking the, uh, the badger in the eye. Mm-hmm. Trying to create these kind of problems. Uh, and so, I, I agree with you because that's what I opened up with. Um, yeah. One of the things that really bothers me, and I can compare it to this situation, is that, and I discussed this in the very beginning of the show, guys, um, we look at people get angry at the retaliation that we see Muslims do when we basically mock their religion, but yet you see Americans getting the same kind of frustrated, upset, and angry with people desecrating the American flag. Right, right. Can we or, compare that? Or let's let's say I wanted to do some comedic uh, drawings, and I don't, just so you know, uh, of uh, of the Holocaust, and uh, and I wanted to say, you know, no matter like the Holodomer or the or the uh, the murder of uh, people in uh, in Laos under the Khmer Rouge, or I wanted to make fun of these people that were you know involved in these horrifying uh, uh, historical events. You know, that is out of taste, and obviously I would be taunting people who may or may not have had family members that uh, suffered under those particular uh, um, horrific events. Yep. So so the point is, is that, you know, these are, um, you know, and I would, you know, if I did it against the Holocaust or or the uh, any kind of genocide, you know, I would be considered a, a madman for doing that. But but in fact, they talk about a freedom of speech. They bring in these, uh, you know, Pam Gellers and, and Gert Wilders and all these like really insane in, individuals. And, uh, and they make a, uh, um, you know, a freak show out of it. And unfortunately, there are attendees. <laughs> and that, that, that's the worst part. That's, that's, that's the sad part about it is that there are actually people who are willing to buy tickets to these, these freak show events. Well, we got to remember, and, Scott, we got to remember America's full of assholes. I mean, we really are full of assholes. 
And, there are and, some, <laughs> not, not, not full of it. There are great people like yourself and Jack. And, uh, you know, I would say on the 80-20 rule, I, I don't think that we're 80% assholes. I think we're probably only about 20%. So, you know, that, and unfortunately, the 20% do have uh, a big voice. Uh, they have that well um, uh, you know there there are their westboro uh, baptist church that seems to get a lot of coverage <laughs> so yeah. yeah you know god forbid you know we burn the quran and and muslims go up but we burn the flag and americans get all up in arms and it's just i don't get it so let, there, there's no no good can come from the uh, disgracing or defacing other people's uh, um interests yeah and that's and 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 to be honest with you if these individuals did go out and do something, I don't condone what they did. I, I certainly don't even understand what they did because I think it's beyond me. But 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 they didn't come from the same mold and the same cut that I had. These are individuals who only had a capacity that gave them what they needed to get to that point in their life. Right. And and you know, will you call them fanatics? Absolutely. They made some very fanatical decisions. Uh, were they very well known to the uh, intelligence community and the uh, and the authorities? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So why were they given such uh, uh, such freedom to go out? Yeah, after, everybody had to know that there were threats going down, and everybody had to know that these individuals. If we don't, if if all this intelligence budget, which by the way they don't spend all the money, cannot find uh, two guys in Garland, Texas, that are going against these. Uh, um, you know, Pastor Hagee, in, insane uh, um, type individuals. Then you know, I think that we're wasting our money. You oh, know? by far, I would agree cut, with cut wasting these, the money. Cut these, cut these intelligence budgets by ninety uh, percent, and let's get back to like focusing on the good stuff and uh, and let these uh, uh, let these insane guys. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, Gert Wilders and Pam Geller getting taken out by a couple of fanatics. I think, and then the fanatics dying. I think that, that the world would be a better place. <laughs> so. Personally, that's just how I feel. Right, right. However, you. you know, let them let them both take each other out, and uh, and you know, let the world be a better place without these two well, or these four. It's it's a hard situation because you look at it and you go, you know, these guys um, were were being what? I mean, the one guy had been arrested for terrorism prior to I think it was oh six. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was arrested. Well, he'd, been, for, he'd been investigated, yeah. Yeah, yeah. investigated, right? So this guy's on the radar. We just had a discussion about how cell phones are so easy to track. You know the guy's got one. Yeah, everybody in America has one anymore. Everybody in the world pretty much has. Nobody one. has a home phone anymore. Yeah, I don't have a home phone. I mean, I use Skype or I use my cell phone. Uh, exactly. So you can't tell me they didn't have an idea. These guys. We got anonymous apparently making uh, warnings two or three days prior to. So so how? And yes, it was stopped quickly. Uh, what was it? A a security guard got shot in the foot, and then some SWAT team that just happened to be on location uh, took him out. Let's just say that uh, it is a situation whereby it's very convenient because, once again, we have um, ISIS taking uh, um, credit for this. Right. By the way, uh, if you're looking at ISIS Twitter and Facebook accounts, you're watching the government. That, yeah, you're watching the government hard at work trying to create their own damn enemy. Because I've got friends. I've got people I know. Pop, Let's use Popeye as an example. He's another talk show host. He's been around for six, seven, eight years um, and, and he's had his Facebook shut down just for, for what he shared. And you're telling me that ISIS and, and all these different organizations can have Facebook and Twitter accounts that don't get shut down when, you when talk, Patriots yeah. are getting shut down left and right? You talk about the, uh, um, just the incredibly, uh, you know, useful, uh, counterintelligence platform. My God, you know, they, yeah, you know, uh, you know, hundreds of Twitter accounts, hundreds of Facebook accounts. 
they can they can basically and then they then they take these third party groups like uh, Rita Katz's site intelligence uh, uh, group that basically come out and try to val- validate the fact that oh look here we found another uh, cell you know we found another uh, and it's and it's not a cell these are these are government entities that are creating these communication streams and they use these streams as basis for uh, basically justifying their um, their initiatives across these uh, quote unquote anti-terrorism uh, um, uh, uh, I guess agendas and so, these agenda these agendas are these agendas are, are you talk about the, the simplicity of, of blowing out uh, you know quote unquote counterintelligence that is nothing more than than, than not only government created but intelligence community created uh, material that supports the agenda of of a uh, of an enemy that we must spend money on and we must uh, try to fight. So were these guys patsies? Were these guys MK Ultra? Were these guys just, uh, you know, because if, if we go over the history of the past 10 years, we've got 25 or so uh, terrorist busts that have been broken up, all have FBI informants involved in them. Right, right. I, I don't know if we have any FBI informants involved in this situation, do we? So let's let's take let's let's call it let's call it Patsy at this point uh, only because if you have a known entity right if you know a guy is a uh, jewel thief right right and uh, you know that there's going to be some great jewels in town <laughs> uh, you know I think for my perspective you might want to make sure that the jewel thieves are being looked at. While the, while the jewels are in town. You would think that. Yeah. You know, if right. you're going to make fun of Muhammad and you've already seen Charlie Hebdo happen, which right. I still think was another now, false Charlie flag Hebdo in itself. Charlie Hebdo is a totally different thing. You Charlie think? Hebdo, those guys were professional. Yeah, but it, uh, a lot of the video I saw shows to me that it was kind of a staged. Have you seen the video where the cops come up and they walk down the street and then the bad yeah. guys come back down the street from the same yeah, area? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so to and, me and, that was a I've false seen, flag I've also. the one where the guy shoots at the guy. He's on the ground and it ricochets off the cement. The cop, yeah. And it misses the cop, but the cop stays down. Right, right, yep. That was kind of odd. Oh, but you, know, you get shot at. But it's I not mean, the movies. It's, come on, Scott. It's not the movies. They don't, uh, they, you know, the, the blood doesn't splatter like that. Well, he didn't get hit. <laughs> well, I know. <laughs> yeah, but the point is, is that, but he stayed down and rather than, you know, use his firearm to like shoot the guy in the back as he went running by, he stayed there. I mean, it's kind of odd. There were some odd things. And then, obviously, when they killed these guys, uh, these guys were, uh, um, you know, taken out in a very, um, you know, a very surreptitious way. You know, they, the Hebdo guys you're talking about, right? Yeah, 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 the Hebdo guys. So it, it's, it's, a, it's a stranger event because those guys actually knew what they were doing. They were, uh, they were fairly articulate with their, uh, their firearm skills. These other guys were, they were novices. I mean, come on, you can't. You can't tell me that you and I would be in a firefight and I had an automatic weapon and you had a pistol that it would be, uh, you know, there would, and, and I got body armor. Right. I mean, there, there are several things I could sit behind and make your life a living hell. And were there any uh-huh. witnesses, were there any witnesses to the actual shootout? I mean, cause I know that they went in and told everybody there was a shootout. That's a great question. So the interpretation of what actually happened could be completely different. I don't know. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't there. I'm not a witness. I'm, I'm, I'm victim to the same stream of information that you're victim to yeah and, and and so that brings me back to what i said earlier we can all only drive the perspective on the amount of information we've been exposed to and you know obviously you know unless you're a physical witness to this event which by the way 
this happened outside the event and the guys never made it inside. You know, there's, you know, a very few amount of people that saw it, you know, so it's, it's, it's not like the JFK shooting, you know, there wasn't televised, uh, coverage, you know, it wasn't a, uh, a huge, um, uh, uh, hugely monitored event. Do you think we'll see security camera footage? Cause I mean, we're talking about an event center. Can't tell me an event center does not have cameras all around it. Not to mention banks or whatever else might have been around it. Do you think we'll see any video from this? That's a good question. I mean, I, you know, I, I would say, you know, it depends. I mean, Garland, Texas, uh, you know, we're not talking about, um, you know, Dallas or. Dude, you know, I live in, I live in Rotunda, Florida, where we have a, a traffic camera at every intersection. Wow. Yeah. And, and this is a small little town. Our county has, I think, 250,000. Well, you, you know, I know Rotunda's got some serious, uh, like CIA, uh, background. That is there, very so. true. Yeah. Yeah. So, that is true. You know, there's, there's, there's other activity going on there that I'm sure people are aware of that you may not be. <laughs> that is true. I, I would love to know really what, cause again, if you look up you, this airport, and I know you know the airport I'm speaking of, it's yeah, literally yeah. less than four miles from me. And I watched I know the exactly jets. the airport. I'm telling you, there are some things going in and out of that airport that you have absolutely no idea. They, they've <laughs> enlarged it. They, they enlarged it this past year. They mm-hmm. added extra hangars at it this past year. Mm-hmm. And all it is is corporate jets or, or, you know, G6s and 7s flying in and out of that sucker. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my advice to you is before Daniel Hopsicker dies, go meet that guy and have, have a drink with him. He's the, he's the author of Welcome to Terrorland. The story about Mohammed Atta being trained at that CIA uh, um, airfield in Venice. Daniel lives uh, right around Venice, and uh, I think Daniel might be able to provide some in, some better insight on what's going on around Rotunda. I would like to talk to him because, and I wrote his name down in his book down, so I will be getting in touch with him. Uh, there's another guy that lives here. Um, I I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he did a lot of 9/11 videos where he did experiments in his backyard. And it was weird because I figured out that he was actually in my town by watching his videos. Hmm. And, and he lives about 10 miles from me. And he put the, all these different videos together where he actually made box cutters that he used nanothermite in to cut steel beams with. Wow. And I'll send you the video after we're done here. I think you'll be mesmerized watching this guy's videos because he makes, he actually constructs these box cutters that he loads with, um, nanothermite and he made these pistons to push the thermite as it cut to, and he would make these beautiful clean cuts on all these beams it was just amazing video he did so i won't give you the guy's name because i know this guy okay just reminded me of a good story <laughs> let me hear the story all right so there's a company called linksat uh linksat is a uh a company out of tempe arizona uh, Tempe, Arizona, and these guys, basically what they do is they install, uh, satellites around the world, and it's most of the time in hostile areas, alongside the petroleum industries, the military industrial industries, and obviously the financial industries. So these are the people with the dough. What Linksat does is they install these little thermite, uh, um, uh, like, uh, explosive devices on their equipment because their equipment is so expensive and it's in such a hostile area that it's, it's highly, um, uh, it's highly lucrative to steal this equipment if people have to leave in a hurry. Okay. 
and and it's useful to a foreign government and it's and it's a good saleable device so what they do is they install remotely detonatable uh thermite that destroys the the satellite uh capabilities of these devices that they're installing you know around you know um uh, industrial economic uh, conditions around the world. So these particular uh, sites. Now this guy that works at Linksat's a friend of mine, and uh, he told me a lot of things that they do with these satellites. Where they'll go in, you know, they'll try to work their political agenda with that country. And when they're in that country, a- as they're installing these brilliant intelligence uh, um, communication devices, they have these remote control uh, thermite charges that they'll destroy these communication platforms. So they can't be used by somebody else. Pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, but nanothermite's not something the U.S. government would ever use for anything. No, of course not. Never. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how that goes down. Um, all right, so we, we covered Texas. We've talked a lot of different things. Um, <clears throat> Veterans for Peace is where, you know, you, you really involve yourself. Press TV. I wish I did more there. Yeah, I wish I did. Pre- and Press it's TV one of the is ones another that location. I do all right, excellent. Uh, Press TV is another location. People can find a lot of... Uh, uh, of your interviews and, and what you've done. So what I'll say about what I've been allowed to do, okay. I mean, I would do more, I would do more, but, uh, um, you know, aside from, you know, great shows like yours, um, Jack's, uh, some, several other folks that I've known, Stephen Roberts and, uh, other people that have had, you know, independent media type, uh, outlets like yours, the mainstream guys, you know, the guys that uh, really have the ear of the American people, um, these individuals won't bring on guys like Jack or you or I or anything to talk about these issues, you know, from a broad perspective. Because, they, you know, I was actually showcased on CNN as a quote-unquote conspiracy theorist by Liz Wall, uh, the, um, the, the girl that quit RT. Uh, oh, yeah, while. on air. Yeah, yeah, I remember yeah, on her. air. She, uh, uh, yeah, so she, she went on, uh, uh, of all shows, it was called Reliable Sources with Brian Stelzer. Well, well Brian is not very reliable because as soon as I appeared on his show, uh, I called his cell phone because the guy was dumb enough to put his cell phone on his LinkedIn and his Facebook account. <laughs> and uh, I said, hey, Brian, uh, two hours ago, your show uh, appeared live on uh, um, on CNN. And you called me a conspiracy theorist. I said, my name is Scott Rickard. He says, well, I don't know your name. I said, well, you just showcased me on your show as a conspiracy theorist. And I was, I was being interviewed by, uh, Eduardo Chevernazzi's granddaughter. Uh, it was, um, his granddaughter, uh, is Sophie Chevernazzi. Eduardo Chevernazzi was the foreign minister for, um, uh, Gorbachev. And then he was the first president of Georgia before we overthrew the government of Georgia under the of, under the Rose Revolution. No, Scott, you can't spread, you can, Scott, you can't spread rumors that the U.S. government overthrows any country. Come on now. You can't <laughs> spread that rumor. You already got me stuck in the anti-Semite, you know, uh, angle earlier today, which I do that I'm well so on sorry, my own. Sir. I did not mean, I did not mean to drag you down to the dirt with me. Uh, you know, I don't mind being in the dirt. It's a fun place to be. Go ahead. Sorry. Right. And, 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 and to be honest with you, uh, Everything that I said in March of, uh, um, gosh, it was uh, a while ago now, of, of 2014, uh, turned out to be incredibly true because of the, uh, uh, the amazing, you know, writers like Mersheimer. So many people have written the fact that, you know, Victoria Newland spending $5 billion on NGOs, you know, the work that we've done in, uh, Ukraine. 
all of these things that they said that they accused me of being conspiracy theorists have been really vindicated. They've all come by, out true. Oh yeah, they've all come out true. Well, you know, because because you know, if you take the time, and and uh, you know, unfortunately, most people don't have the time to even look. But if you take the time to look, the information's out there. And the problem is, is that we're all so um, inundated with entertainment, with sports. Uh, false information, sports, bread and uh, circus, bread and circus, you know, my uh, friend. Yeah, bread and circus, and and. And, you know, it, there's, there's a point at which people just go, there's nothing I can do about this. I'm just one man. You they know feel I mean? defeated. I, it's amazing. I get that from so defeated. many people. They feel so defeated. I just, yeah. I need to listen to what my doctor says. I just need to take my kid to school. I need to do this. I have to do this because the government says I must. That drives right. me nuts, you know? But that's, but that's the status quo. You know, on the 80-20 world, that's 80% of the people are that way. I know. And I think what it comes down to is that, the the enormity of time that it takes in order to look outside channels is just not available to the average person. No, it's not available to me, but I make the time to do it because I care so much. You know? Well, you run a radio show. You are not the you know, as as Yogi said. You are not the average bear. So <laughs> that is true. I drive my wife crazy. It's my anniversary today. Three years married. Hey, happy anniversary! <laughs> hey, That's you. really cool. Yeah. Nice. It's That's it, really cool. It's been a it's been a great couple of years. My wife's been great to me, and she's a good woman. Uh-huh. So I want to make sure I point that out yet again, because I know I did it in the beginning, but I had to point it out again. No, I didn't miss that. I came in later in the show, must have. Yeah, you were rolling around still. I know it's cool. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> um. So, uh, all right, let's uh, we're, we're wrapping up here. We're getting close to the end. Okay. Let's let's uh, people can find you. Like I said, Press TV is a big po- a place to find you. Veterans for Peace, you work with a lot. Is there anywhere people can find articles or, or anything directed at you or directed from you? I've written a couple of articles, but what I find is that there's so many better writers. There's so many better outlets. I mean, when you look at things like Consortium News, you look at things like... Uh, um, the Free Thought uh, Project or... Free Thought Project, uh, Antiwar.com. You know, there's just so many great uh, journalists out there. Uh, Sputnik uh, um, News, it's a uh, um, a new... Uh, Russian Insider. It's a new Russian uh, um, uh, outlet for uh, what I would consider more legitimate uh, geopolitical news. And these are these are outlets that you know are not available to the average you know um, uh, American because you have to go onto the internet to get it. You know? Right. Right. You're not going to get it in the newspapers. You're not going to get it in television. And eighty eighty time you know eighty percent of the time you know. People aren't on the internet to get news. They're on the internet to entertain themselves, bank off, or whatever it is. Unfortunately, you're probably right about that. <laughs> oh no, I do it every day. I, so I mean, yeah, I, well, easy now. It's your anniversary. Oh, now. that's right. Yeah, this is not the day to announce that. Yeah, uh, sorry, I take that back. I didn't really do that. I didn't really say that. <laughs> not today, honey. Not today, at least. All right. So, um, the best place to define you, other than with me and Jack Blood, which you're with well, both Facebook's of us. Really a lot. good. Um, I'm always on. Uh, uh, I like that. Um, uh, you know, everything I do on Facebook is reciprocated on Twitter. But uh, at the same time, you know, look look for uh, look for the people that I uh, that I retweet. I mean, because those are some of the guys. If I'm if I'm sending out information without a uh, uh, let's just say a sarcastic comment, because if I'm if I think it's something that is propaganda, I will I will note that. Right, right. Yeah, I've um, seen I've because, seen your sarcasm before. <laughs> yeah, because I like to I like to let people know that there are outlets and and it's and it's a way to identify you know left and right wing uh, propaganda outlets in the United States as well as global outlets that are not being uh, uh, 
um, truthful uh, with their uh, um, with the power of their uh, um, I guess their syndication. Or well, their, you, you know, uh, to back that up, Scott, just for a second. Uh, I used to be really big into Al Jazeera when it was on internet only in America. Great point. I know where you're going. When it hit cable television locally is when I feel it went propaganda. Well, let me, let me, let me give you a little background on that. I'm, and I'm, I'm totally in your camp on that. When Al Jazeera first came out, not only did they fool me and you and the Arab world, they came out as an outlet that believed that they were trying to give an alternative perspective for the uh, the Middle Eastern um, culture, right, and, and the Arab culture. Okay, um, a lot of Arabs bit into it. I bit into it. Obviously, you bit into it, and it did. You know, uh, nine times out of ten, it was awesome. However, it was used as a tool by the Qatar government, which, by the way, the Emir in the in, in Qatar funds a hundred percent the budget for Al Jazeera. And once, and what happened is, is that you have the headquarters for the UK and the US, uh, operating out of Qatar is a Gulf state, you know, puppet government that works, you know, obviously in the Sunni, uh, religion side for the, uh, the petroleum industry. Um, if you look at Qatar from a GDP perspective in the world, there's only two countries that rival Qatar. From a GDP per capita um, in the in the world, it's Norway and Switzerland. These are the three most rich countries in the world from a GDP perspective per capita. And the reason behind that is Qatar is um, sort of the icon where Saudi Arabia is very well known, or the United Arab Emirates is very well known, or Bahrain is really well known. But the jewel of the of the military industrial complex or the petroleum industry or the economic uh um you know global elites is actually Qatar and they had one of the most believable news outlets in the world until they started to get caught they had a bunch of reporters working for them who decided they were going to quit because they wanted to lie about the Libyan uh uh conflict when NATO was uh, um you know, illegally and criminally attacking and overthrowing Gaddafi. Okay. Same thing happened in Syria. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the uh, the reporters that worked for Al Jazeera basically were in the news saying, I will not lie for this newspaper any longer. I will not lie for this television any longer. They were, they were simply coming out and saying, my God, this turned into a complete propaganda outlet. So they were true journalists at that point in time. They were true. A lot of true journalists left that organization during those, those, those and other conflicts because of the fact that they realized that they were being used as a tool to, uh, um, uh, spread the propaganda. I, I called out, uh, Gerard Schindler, uh, this week. Uh, he's the head of the NSA in, uh, in Germany, the BND as they call it in Germany. And Gerard Schindler is a huge proponent of the war against, uh, um, Assad in, uh, in, in Syria. Because he is yet again another mouthpiece for the infrastructure of the West that is creating this facade around, uh, you know, how horrible of a leader Assad was and how despotic he was trying to equate him to a Gaddafi or a Saddam Hussein. Which you or, can't, you can't equate him to that because you know what? Muammar Gaddafi, when he was in charge, his country was doing great. When, oh, one when, of, one when of the, Saddam. Incredible, yeah. And, well, and Assad wasn't doing as good. Don't get me wrong. 
But Muammar Gaddafi is absolutely, there's no comparison. That guy built one of the most incredible countries in the history of Africa. And he went against the global elite, and that's why they stuck a rod up his ass. Oh, they stuck it to him. Yeah. They really did. Yeah, it really did. It really is a sin. Scott, listen, we're out of time, man. I appreciate your time. I love being on time. your show, Sean. Thanks so much for having me. I love having you guys. Make sure you check him out. Scott Rickard. You can find him on Facebook. You can find him on Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, check the guy out. He's got some great information. Scott, I sent you that video, the great thermite debate on the, ah, on the, uh, on I'll the Skyper there. You'll watch that. It's about 10 minutes, 14 minutes long. You'll love it. It's, it's, the guy's funny. And that was recorded 10 miles from my house. That's funny. Which, uh, Jonathan Cole, by the way, that was his name. I don't know if you, he was a architect for 9-11. Yeah, he was an architect for 9-11 truth guy. Um, nice. so check that out. Check Scott out. Make sure you follow us here on RazRadioLive.com. Make sure you follow RadioFreeBlood.com. Don't forget RazFest. Yes, RazFest. We're gonna, it's gonna be September. I'll let you know the date when I get it locked in exactly. We don't have the exact date yet. I gotta really balance everything and figure it out. But when we have it, Scott, I want you to join us. I'm I'm showing up with a vaporizer and a, uh, and a sleeping bag. Sounds like a good plan, my friend. All right, Scott, you have a great one. You guys have been listening to the first 52 on RazRadioLive.com. RadioFreeBlood.com. Stick around 10 o'clock tonight on Raz Radio. We have Gonzo Radio. Just guys having some fun. You know, we do serious. We do uh, fun. So you guys have a great evening. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. Lost a sense of weapon in a war against ourselves. The setting sun is loading guns. Don't be afraid of mistakes. Emotions misplaced to love or to hate. Don't know what to do We're all lost and confused Just trying to get through in this world Always trying to prove that we're worth what it takes But it takes a long time in the dirt to see grace When I'm trying to be real, they tend to be fake When I'm risking it all with no time to waste Fuck this bad race I'm leaving this place It's time to blast off Destination space With the sunset hung behind us And the universe to blind us From the moon we'll watch the whole world explode Moving free, unguided through the beautiful, the silent with the light show from a passing UFO, lost in the glow of the unknown. Please don't go. Day one, I've been in this alone With odds stacked against, I've been drowning in stress They said, can you take more? I said, give me what's left An old man once told me, Allie, don't have a luck back Keep your eyes on that prize and give them hell to your death This is a test, just a frequency check For intelligent life, now's time to connect Wait and hope for the best. 
With the sunset hung behind us In the universe to blind us From the moon we'll watch the whole world explode Moving free unguided Through the beautiful asylum With the light show from a passing UFO Lost in the glow Of the so much thanks first 52 is the bomb diggity Cement the concrete's alive Where the bonds are formed, the rats run and hide Drama's like a cartoon that comes to life Where the express bus runs twice a night To the stadium that's packed every Monday night To the yellow cab driver that helped make your flight Where you can get what you want if the price is right And screaming fuck you's another way to be polite Every day. 
days from we out to live life From the east to the west, we down to take flight Hit the boardwalk, filled up a Queen's Key Heading to the island, coming back around at three Cherry Beach, sunbathing volleyball Every Saturday this always seems to be the call Just a few perks when you're in my zone This is where I'm at and this is where I'm calling home